It is the 11 Dubcast, and of course, obviously, we're talking playoffs, right? So congratulations to the Cleveland Browns for making the NFL playoffs uh, for the first time. How many years has it been, Andy? Yeah, I think it was during like the Carter. Okay, maybe not quite that far yeah. back. Uh, I was breathing it's been out. About 20 years, something point. like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's been a while. So congrats to them. That's that's the most important football news. But the second most important football news is Ohio State taking out the Clemson Tigers and, and not just like beating them, right? I, I, I did not pick Ohio State to beat Clemson, but I felt that it was certainly possible. I thought it was within the realm of possibility. If you had told me that Ohio State would beat Clemson by 21 points and also really, you know, like 28 points, honestly, because it's not like the game was in doubt when they were up by 28. I was done. So if you had told me that that was the situation and Justin Fields would throw for six touchdowns and Trey Sermon run for almost 200 yards, and I don't know that I would have believed all that. Yeah, frankly. I think if you if you put out four options, right, Ohio State in a blowout, Ohio State in a close one, Clemson in a close one, Clemson in a blowout, most people probably would have said three out of four of those are likely and the one that, that it was just not fathomable for most folks, and it's probably because you have like, you know, 31 and 0 nightmares looming over you, Yeah, would have been Ohio State in a route. I, I'll, I did pick the Buckeyes when I submitted my – uh, picks for the week, but I will say I I had him winning by a field goal. It wasn't a four touchdown romp. <laughs> right. So so hey, you know what? L to us, and let's eat it and enjoy it proudly because yeah, I. That's the thing though, and, and somebody once said I actually looked this up because we had a discussion before the game about how many times us as a staff, like you know, on people on Eleven Warriors, have picked against Ohio State. And I was like, oh, well, I remember that I picked Virginia Tech to beat Ohio State in 2014 at home. And so I went back and I looked at that post where I made that prediction because we had a roundtable that week and I was part of it. And one of my favorite quotes or one of my favorite comments of all time was a poster who said that uh, it seems like Johnny Ginter is constantly hedging at life. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that is an interesting point. And I don't know that I can disagree with that. And so I guess what I'm saying with that is, you know, I'm looking at these predictions I'm looking at what might happen. And I just could not, I I could not bring myself to call an Ohio state victory on this. But the great thing about doing that is that it doesn't matter what I think or what I said, because I still get to enjoy the victory anyway, (laughs) which a lot of people are like, no, I had Ohio state all the way. I'm like, no, well, that's fine. But I'm just as happy as you are, dude. In fact, I might even be more happy because I got an unexpected result. So I'm going to sit here and be totally fine with being wrong because that just makes it all the more sweet. And it was great. It was, there was very little drama in the game. Honestly, the, the book guys put it away in the second quarter. And after that, it was just dunking on Dabo for another hour and a half. It was kick ass. It was great. What, what I, what I was really, I mean, this is, this is how crazy this outcome was. Like I, I put a lot of thought into my, my score prediction. Uh, I mentioned I had Buckeyes winning by a field goal. I pegged the Clemson output exactly right. 28 points. Yeah. And, and I was off by 18, you know, <laughs> I, I was off by nearly three scores on what, what I thought, uh, you know, with three touchdowns on what I thought the Buckeyes would do. And that's no shade to Ohio state's offense. I just no. thought Clemson's defense would, would mount something resembling a competent effort to stop the Buckeyes doing whatever they wanted and woo howdy were 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 we uh pleasantly surprised by the fact that brent venables and if you were playing the uh kirk herb street brent venables drinking game you God. suffered from alcohol poisoning midway through the second quarter but but brent venables looked like you know a first year grad assistant compared to <laughs> ryan ryan day as a play caller yeah he that definitely was, got out coached yeah wild he, he got out fox he got out coached and i will also say it I don't understand, and I've watched a number of Clemson games, so this is, I feel like this is pretty constant throughout, but when they are showing the sidelines for the Clemson Tigers, they focus on Venable so much more than they do Dabo, and it's weird. Like, I don't, I don't notice that with other major teams. Other major teams are like, okay, well, let's see what Ryan Day's reacting to, or how, how's Nick Saban, you know, responding, or how's Brian Kelly acting, but with, with Clemson, it's always like, what's Venable's doing? I'm like, Venables isn't the coach. He's not the head coach. Like Davo seems to avoid a lot of this stuff. And it's just weird to me. So I don't know. It's, 
it's understandable in this context because they were just getting lit up defensively but um i don't know i just find that odd so and i would like to have a little you know more angry uh dabo reactions i guess particularly in a game like this so let's tell you what let's go through this kind of sequentially because i i had a lot of different feelings as this game was going on it took me a while to really accept that ohio state was in full blowout mode this this is the same by the way in the 2014 2015 national championship game where i'm like you know i'm watching ohio state handle oregon i'm like but it, but is it real is it real i don't know um so i had that kind of like creeping feeling of dread that lasted way too long and i really should have just enjoyed it in the moment but game starts off clemson looks good they're they're scripted drives because i really you know the first drive went really well for them eight plays 82 yards less than three minutes long they get a touchdown Ohio State comes back and hits them with three plays, 77 yards, like a minute long drive, basically, where Trey Sermon has this big long run. Um, here's my question to you, okay? And I want to know if if you are hedging at life as I am, Andy. What was what were your thoughts after those first two touchdowns, where you've got Clemson methodical drive going down the field, Ohio State hitting back with like a haymaker? Yeah, I mean, honestly, at that point, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a shootout, you know, because okay. there was a, there was a, in leading up to, and we may have talked about it a couple of weeks ago on, on the podcast, but leading up to the game, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, okay, of all of the different potential outcomes, and you're, you're kind of expecting that Ohio State, at least I did, was going to rely on the running game. It had been so successful uh, versus Northwestern that you were going to, you were going to have Trey Sermon feeling his oats. You're going to ride the hot hand, however you want to look at it but that I was expecting those drives to be more methodical, mm-hmm. you know, that it's going to be okay. We're going to not, not trestle ball. I'm, I'm not saying I thought Ryan day was going to go full trestle ball, but just that you're going to try to slow Clemson down because if it gets into a track meet, gets into a shootout that, okay, can Ohio state secondary keep Trevor Lawrence from passing for a million yards? Right. Yes. By the way, he still threw for 400 yards. We get to that more later as to why that's actually a little bit of a misleading statistic because, I think, you know, a third of that came in garbage time. Yeah. Um, but but I I watched that and they go, ding, ding. That drive should have been a clue that it was going to be a boat race uh, and, and that the good guys were going to run hog wild. But I was at that point, kind of like you, just thinking, okay, this is going to get to be a shootout. They're going to trade, they're going to trade punches and it's going to be who can last longer. Right. Uh, and that wasn't what it was at all, but that's, that's kind of what I thought at that point. Cause I was, see, here's the thing I, at that point, and especially after Clemson's next, you know, scoring drive where they, you know, you've, you've got a 14, seven game Clemson has driven down the field pretty, pretty easily, honestly. And then, you know, not, and picking up huge chunks of yards, just, okay. Everything seemed to be working for them. I was worried at that point because I was like, okay, you can maybe hit him with a long, you know, play or two or something like that. You're going to get a 30 some yard rush from Trey Sermon. Okay. That'll work. But Venables will clamp down and then Ohio state's going to have a little more trouble. I, what really surprised me was that second quarter because the first quarter I'm like, okay, this seems basically what I expect. Ohio state's hanging in there. They're, mm-hmm. they're putting together, they had, they put together one more extended drive. Right. But they're not doing necessarily what I thought Clemson was doing. And, and to me, it almost felt like an inverse of the sugar bowl against Alabama where it's like, okay, Alabama's throwing some haymakers and that's great, but Ohio state's picking up crap tons of yards. So clearly Ohio state's going to turn this around at some point. And that's the way I kind of felt Clemson was playing that they were just being really successful in offense. Um, we weren't getting a ton of pressure on Trevor Lawrence. And as a result, I thought that Clemson was going to start to pick up more momentum. Yeah. And then the complete opposite happened where Ohio state puts together two ridiculous drives. The thing about that second quarter, it's not just that they scored 21 points. It's that they had drives of 84 and 75 yards apiece, each nine plays each over four minutes long. They ate up a ton of time. were completely successful, right? Like they just were like 100% scoring touchdowns. Um, there's nothing you can do about that as an opposing team. Clemson didn't have an answer really. And and that's what really impressed me about Ohio state. It wasn't just that they were being really successful, not just with the huge, you know, giant chunk plays, but they were also just doing whatever they wanted offensively. And Clemson had like no response offensively or defensively. They were completely surprised by what Ohio state and Ryan day were bringing. And that was, once I realized that, I started to go, what? okay, something is very different about this game than most games. Um, 
And I thought that was pretty awesome. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I think it was pretty clear that, that a lot of us, I, I certainly did overestimated how good Clemson was. And, and I mean, all the way around, especially on defense, especially yeah. on defense, but, but all the way around, I think we overestimated and, and maybe I'm, I guess I have been guilty of maybe underestimating this Ohio state defense. I, I think I knew the run defense was pretty good, right? Nobody's mm-hmm. really run crazy on Ohio state's defense this season, but plenty of teams have passed on them with success. So I thought, you know, you've got a Heisman trophy finalist slinging the rock, uh, but just not nearly as complete an offense as Ohio state's offense certainly didn't have the receiving core, which, which I think was a big, big difference between successful uh, Trevor Lawrence offenses of the past. Um, it just was not nearly the depth of talent. So I had to dig back into this to try to figure out, okay, what did I miss here? There was an interesting um, stat from uh, 24 some sports folks on the blue chip ratio, right? So this was the, the level of um, the percentage of recruits who are, who are blue chips. These, I, I think what four and five stars uh, over the past four classes, Alabama leads the nation, 83% blue chip status going into 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia, 82%, Ohio state, 80%. Those are the only three teams in the country that had this blue chip ratio above 80%. Clemson is back down here at 63%. Mm. So in a sense, you might say Clemson has been overperforming based, based on that, or at least, you know, here, these last four recruiting classes. So there was a talent gap there. And I think maybe we have overestimated how good Clemson's players were relative and maybe underestimated to an extent, how good Ohio state's players are You're going to see a much more even matchup in the Alabama game, obviously, but, yeah. but there was a talent gap there uh, that was bigger than I think I really realized going into well, the game. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I think that's I think that's important to point out, especially on the offensive defensive lines. Um, Huge difference there. I mean, that's really yeah. And even even though we had like even though Ohio State had a number of players out, right? Like you're missing Harry Miller. You're missing you know a starting offensive lineman. You're missing two guys on the defensive line, two defensive ends. You would think that that would be a huge advantage for Clemson, especially with mm-hmm. Travis Etienne, and that they were Tommy Togian Garrett. You know, Haskell Garrett were so disruptive in the interior of that line that it, it really felt like a completely disrupted Clemson's ability to get anything going because they were just so dominant um, in the trenches and, and no Ohio state secondary is still a definite work in progress. I mean, I don't think anybody can deny that, but they did a really great job at um, just moving people around, understanding when to attack this. It was a much more aggressive Ohio state defense than I think, that they had shown basically all season. And that definitely put Trevor Lawrence on his heels a little bit. I don't think he expected nearly that kind of aggression uh, and where they were getting uh, their blitzes and what they were doing. It was just very, very different um, from how Ohio state defense had played up to that point. And, and same with the offense. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that I really loved about watching this game is that um you were seeing some offensive wrinkles, particularly with what they were doing with the tight ends, right? Where it, I just, I, I was laughing my ass off the entire game because there were certain things where, you know, you're like, that's not something I've ever seen from Ohio State football team. You know yeah, what I mean? I, <laughs> like, I joked after after that second uh, tight end touchdown, you know, my, my tweet was something along the lines of what sorcery is this? We've thrown, <laughs> we're not only throwing to the tight ends multiple times, but we're doing so in the end zone. Well, <laughs> these are the end times clearly. Yeah. And the other thing I, I thought it was also funny, like the, uh, the, um, uh, the official Brutus account Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when they, when they threw to, when they threw the uh, touchdown pass at the time, I think, I think my Ben Farrell had the first one. Um, they, they did the, like the excuse me gift, right? Like the white guy, excuse yeah. me, gift, like, yeah, huh? And, uh, <laughs> I, I will say that the most excited I got during the entire game, uh, was when Ohio state went up 21, 14 and it was the, the Ruckert play where mm-hmm. he released off the left side after kind of like that pause. And I'm like, that's the kind of play that Ohio state has been victimized by over yeah. the years. That is not the kind of play that they have actually run to success and it was it was so awesome to watch the play design all game was just incredibly well done and this is i gotta say this is probably up there with ryan day's greatest um coaching hits i can't i i cannot i am hard pressed to think of another game where he 
so successfully game planned and figured out um, his opponent's weaknesses as he did in this one. This was, this was really well done. And we can talk obviously a lot about how they eliminated, you know, Clemson sign stealing and all things like that. Honestly, the way they were, the, the way they were doing things with tempo, right. To like get them off their heels, the way they were, you know, faking quick snacks, excuse me, quick snack, quick snap sometimes uh, utilizing tight ends in ways they had it. I, Dabo could have had those signs straight up. They could have known that, you know, from the, from the jump. And I don't know that one made a huge impact because they were just so incredibly well-prepared to, to attack that defense. It kind of amuses me because, uh, you know, everything old is new again. So if you, you know, think about when we start going to this, uh, hurry up, no huddle style offense, you know, it was to gain an advantage over defenses and tempo and keep them on their heels right. and confuse them and, you know, maybe negate substitutions and so on. So now you've got a, a, a situation where some, well, we'll say not illegal, but morally questionable, uh, <laughs> uh, tactics and having this KGB style sign stealing operation. Yeah. I got a stuck snet. And, and yeah so we, we we how do we counter that well, well we'll do some huddling and we'll go old school here a little bit and we won't call these plays in from the sideline just kind of amusing me that you you have to go a little old school to counter uh something that that popped up from more of this new school i loved it because you know you you just could see the confusion uh and, you know clemson defenders not not set not lined up uh you know these pre-stat motions uh throwing them off their game and, and letting justin fields confirm uh you know how they were going to react and, and base and then of course the perfect play call to to counter that being there every time this was uh right. I, I don't know it's too young in his career to say it was ryan day's masterpiece but it by golly uh i think is going to be in his hall of greatest works when his career is over with because it was just a masterful dismantling of a guy we had been led to believe was at the pinnacle of the right. craft of of defensive signal calling and, and uh, game planning uh, and that you know leads to to my question i got a kick out of i think it was mike golick uh on on twitter made the comment you know that uh clearly what what happened here is that ryan days kept the playbook under lock and key for six games and just played as vanilla as an offense as possible <laughs> And, yeah. and basically been scheming the entire season for one game. What, what say you about this not quite conspiracy theory, Johnny Gender? Do you, do you think there's something to that? that I think there's something to it. I'm not going to put can... anything on, on tape. We're going to just, we know we can outhorse uh, the big 10 with as, as basic an offense as possible. And then we'll break out the big guns at the playoffs. I think part of it is that, I, I mean, I also think part of it is, okay, we're not going to install something goofy or, or strange in the second week, right? If we're worried about Penn state, we're not going to blow that up, you know, two weeks into whatever season we're going to get. So I, I think that was something that they probably had developed as the season went on and said, okay, this is something that we're going to try to implement. Should we get into the playoff and whatever, uh, so specifically with the RPO stuff that they were showing um, that was, that was really new for Ryan day in Ohio state, particularly this year. And I, I, I would not be surprised if they had some plays, they had a lot of schemes that they were holding back specifically to try to attack Venables and uh, the Clemson defense. Um, but really to me, it wasn't just the play calling. It was the fact that they were, like I said, doing things with tempo, understanding how to confuse Trevor Lawrence with blitzes. I mean, this was, you know, it's funny. I was, before this game, I was uh, going through all the different like Clemson media and whatnot. And I, you know, went on TigerNet and there was a guy who had written an article that said, is Ohio State's obsession with Clemson healthy? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like this, the, it's the, it's the team that beat them that blemished their perfect record. And in a game that they felt that they should have won, they've spent the entire offseason preparing to, yeah, of course, it's healthy. It's the whole point of why they're playing the game. They've spent a year trying to get to this exact spot. They better had be obsessed with beating Clemson. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just, I don't know. It, it's wild to me how people could go. This is not like, you know, people were saying, Davos said after the game, you know, I don't, I don't think that was a motivator for them. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Everything was a motivator for them. Every yeah. single thing that you added to the pile, you, you know, the dumb all shucks crap, the ranking them 11th, you know, winning in a way that was people were really upset about with the refs and all that, all of that just adds fuel to the fire. And I don't, I don't know. There was kind of a condescending, this is another article. There was kind of a condescending article on ESPN where they talked about how Ohio state 
uh, just needs to feel disrespected, like all the time. Ohio State fans need to feel disrespected. It's just kind of a mentality in the state of Ohio and by Ohio State fans. That's not wrong. I mean, I, I think the tone of the article was a little like, <laughs> look at these idiots. They got everything. They don't know how good they got. That's fair, but like rage really does fuel <laughs> a lot of what happens with Ohio State. And I just, I don't know why Dabo and Clemson felt that they could just keep adding to that because it absolutely was a motivator you look at their tweets you look at their comments after the game the players and the coaches this was a big deal for them and i here's the other thing i want to say real quick about that second quarter i wrote about this in the immediate aftermath of the game clemson had uh, kind of at the very end of the first quarter and then during the second quarter uh, basically a sequence where they had three straight punts um two three and outs and the other one went four plays that was the time Dabo had to make some serious choices, right? In all of those instances where he punted, he was in his own half of the field. I don't think they really believe that they were up against a team that could sustain what was happening. I think they were still like believing that they were playing Ohio state where they're going to fade out in the second half and we're just, we got to keep plugging and we're going to start scoring points and it'll be fine they didn't understand how much danger they were in in -hmm. that second quarter. And if you look at Clemson and the choices that they're making and the play calling that they were doing, I really don't think they believed that Ohio state was as dangerous as it ended up being for them. And that's, what's really fascinating to me because when they realized how, like how many points Ohio state was going to score on them, it's like, it's the beginning of the fourth quarter and it's too late. So I just, that was really fascinating to me. The attitude that they brought to the game just did not seem on the same level as Ohio State's. Ohio State came there to like burn the house down yes. and they were there to, you know, play a football game. So yeah, the thing about the whole disrespect thing that I think people, when they write those kind of condescending articles, like you talked about and how, or, or like Dabo saying, oh, I don't think it's a motivating factor. Like these college football coaches, part of the reason they're so good at the collegiate level and part of the reason so few of them make the transition to the NFL is because it is college levels where you're able to use this sort of amateur psychology to get these guys to, to play at their prime. You use the disrespect card or conversely, you know, you've got the, the Clemson's or, or the Alabama's where it's, it's the opposite of that. They know they're so good. You know, they, they know they are right. the best as it So you're either playing one of those two cards, right? Either you're so good that no one can ever beat you. And you just, there's never a doubt in your mind and you play with that kind of out of your mind confidence or, or nobody believes you can do that. Everybody hates you. They despise you. They think you're bums. They think you're worth and, and you, and you play on that. You've got something to prove. Like, look, urban urban meyer was a master of doing that right like it's why oh, they men- it's why they mentioned every time he was on tv that he had a degree in psychology because right. he was known for you know playing those 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 harp strings uh but but this you know every coach does that right like this is not something that's just an ohio state thing good lord look at mark d'antonio all those years like his whole <laughs> i mean yeah. that was his whole the whole thing was you know and, yeah, and the, I, I the little brother comments was like manna from heaven from that oh from my that god day. yeah you're always looking for that stuff it's it's easy money you know and right. uh, clemson does that crap too i mean it's the little old clemson stuff right it's come on yeah. you guys have a payroll bigger than the yankees and you're that's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous but yeah so i get a kick out of that i, I get a kick out of those kind of articles and the tut tutting and the, yeah it's, you know, it's silly and yeah. the other thing is i mean look for individual players, it means a lot too. I mean, you got to think of the situation some of these guys are in and, and the impact they're trying to make. Justin Fields, right, needed to prove that he was Justin Fields after some mediocre performances as of late. He needed to go out there and show that he was, okay, I'm still like one of the best two quarterbacks in the country. Don't forget about this dude. And he outperformed Trevor Lawrence. And so, you know, and, and Trey Sermon, obviously, who's been playing like his hair's on fire. Yes. for the past you know for the past three four games it's just it's insane to watch this guy run he is he is playing with a violence that is just unbelievable and then on the other side you look at travis Etienne, who's i think still a great player um but not an effective runner against ohio state did not get anything and really didn't get a whole lot done last year either but this year was a non-factor in the running game clemson only had 44 rush yards for the entire game Mm-hmm. That's a big honking deal for that yeah. team. They they cannot have that kind of imbalance in their in their game and, and be successful. 
um and trey sermon was just a freaking man dude i i <laughs> i mean it it was a real pleasure to watch him against northwestern I mean, that was that was hilarious and amazing and completely unexpected but what he did against clemson i mean he's throwing dudes to the ground he's trying to jump over guys he's bowling over dude you know it he really played like a dude possessed and uh that's the kind of offensive performance that was like I don't know, even know what I would compare it to. It was almost like a Beanie Wells type performance. Like they're not the same guy, right? Beanie's no, yeah, yeah. when he was playing much bigger dude, but the the violence that he was taking on and the fact that he was looking for contact and bouncing off guys and stiff arming him into the ground, it was just a really determined, strong performance from that guy. And I was I was incredibly impressed. I thought that was amazing. You gotta give Ohio State's offensive line a, a truckload of credit. Obviously, yeah. they were they were uh, pushing Clemson miles off the ball and open up holes that, uh, you know, I could drive my truck through this, you know, it was, it was really beautiful uh, all the way around. But I, one of the things I find really interesting is how well Ohio state has done over the past, how many ever years now, the playoff era anyway, of shutting down these running backs that, you know, I think about like the Saquon Barkley <laughs> years or think about uh, any of the Wisconsin running backs. Oh, I was going to say a fun, a fun game. Andy is actually go on to sports reference and look up um, how Clemson running backs have done and ranked games against Ohio state. It is, you can go back literally 12 years and it's insane how badly uh, Wisconsin running backs have performed against Ohio state. They, they are terrible against the Buckeyes. Yeah. It, it, it just it happens you go into these and the the talk is for whatever team ohio state's playing is how they're the you know number one running back in the country or you know they're they're, they're just otherworldly backs and then ohio state shuts them down they do nothing uh and, and you know part of that is is ohio state's dna as as a defensive program but here we saw it again where okay no you know nobody was necessarily saying 18 was the top back uh in the country and obviously he's pretty multifaceted with catching balls out of the backfield and such but they limited him to what 40 yards all night something crazy like that so so that that's pretty incredible and then at the same time i'm also looking and thinking gosh you know you don't want to draw too many parallels to ohio state's last national title run but it is kind of interesting that you've got you know a running back who and and zeke elliott obviously was putting up great production throughout his his career sure he was he wasn't a from out of nowhere all of a sudden type story but he played his best games when it mattered most, right? And and right. you look, here's where you, you've got Sermon, who I think six weeks ago, everybody was kind of like, oh, my God, why did we bring this guy in here? And now all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, put him on the Mount Rushmore, <laughs> you know, retire, yeah. his, retire his jersey. He'll never have to buy another drink of this town again. Uh, and, and you look at the, the storylines. You know, nobody gave Ohio State credit going into the 2015 playoffs. You know, Al- Alabama was going to, shithouse the Buckeyes that season (laughs) like if you had listened to the punditry same thing here right like if when they did the the game day picks and in any other time an ESPN panel was picking they picked Clemson every single time sure so you know you just stack all this up and now you've had you know Ohio State going hog wild in the big 10 tournament no it wasn't uh, a big 10 championship i mean no it wasn't 59 to 0 but it was a pretty definitive victory yeah. you you you've got them uh you know embarrassing uh a a recent quasi dynasty in in clemson in this and now you know going up against uh a really great outlet now i will say alabama is a much bigger challenge than oregon was yes, that season that, 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 that's where the that's where the analogy breaks down you don't want to draw too many parallels but i kind of love you know, the parallels and how this sets up because you can say, okay, you know, this isn't something that is out of the realm of possibility. You know, you believe this Ohio state team can, can get it done. Yeah. Well, and it's because, you know, the individual performances that you're seeing are commensurate with like, I I think it's a fair comparison to make when you're thinking about national championships, you're going to naturally go back to the most recent one. And you're going to think about how guys performed. Um, You know, I, don't know that top to bottom, this is a more talented team or even as talented a team as 2014 was. I mean, you've got a quarterback that's, you know, probably way better. And you've got, you know, guys at skill positions, a wide receiver who are really great. But obviously on defense, you're, you're facing some deficiencies. But the coaching is so damn good right now. And, you know, again, 
if you ask me to make a prediction about Alabama right now, I'm not super optimistic, right? I'm, I, I will not sit here and say, okay, hey, State's going to go in there and, and you know do the same thing to the Crimson Tide as they did to the Tigers. But um, they, they've got a lot going for them right now. There's a ton of momentum on their side. Chris Olave being back, huge deal, obviously. I mean, the guy caught, what, six passes for 130-some yards. Um, looked dominant all night. That's the thing about this is that Ohio State – this is what really made me confident. I think not just about this particular game, but their ability to hang with even a team like Alabama is that they were able to offensively sustain drives and hit them with these knockout haymaker, you know, 50, 60 yard passing plays, because that's, you got to be able to do both of those things. You have to be a threat to do both. If you want to compete with a team as complete as Alabama, you have to be able to do both of those things. And that's what honestly, maybe Clemson thought that they could somehow claw back in the game. And every time it felt like they might have a shot at doing that, Ohio state shut it down. They, came out and said, nope, well, we know exactly what you're going to try to do. And they, they blew it up. Um, they scored another touchdown. They ran off another huge run. Trey Sermon, you know, converted a third and long, whatever. That kind of stuff is what really great teams do um, to win. A couple of things I want to talk about uh, before we finish with this game, Justin Fields injury. Um, it sucks. I, I, you know, hope that he's back to 100% or at least something close to it. I mean, nobody's going to be 100% at this point, particularly not after getting speared in the side by a linebacker. But I, how did you feel about that? A lot of people were saying that that was like a really dirty play. It was really stupid. Um, some people were saying it wasn't targeting. It was, how, what was your reaction when that happened, Andy? So I think the my first reaction when I saw it was, God, that hurt. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I think it was dirty per se. I think it was stupid because I'm uh, a big believer that there's a reason that we teach now at every level of the game, don't lead with the crown of your helmet. And it's not right. because you're worried about injuring the guy you're hitting, although that's a concern. It's because you don't want to put your dumb backside in a halo and have you stretchered off the field and potentially right. – uh, impact your ability to play the game or do other basic functions of life because you've broken your neck or, or caused some other severe injury. I mean, I, as, as the avowed uh, fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, on the staff, remember with horrible uh, clarity watching Ryan Shazier's career come to an end in Cincinnati uh, you know, I'm not saying those two hits were exactly the same, but there's a reason you don't put your head down when you tackle a guy, right? Look at what you're tackling. It's, it's very simple. So I got into a, a bit of a discussion with a, a wrestling fan on Twitter who was, you know, kind of kibitzing that, you know, I can't believe that that's, that's targeting. We just need to, you know, we're taking all of the hitting out of the game, yada, 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 the typical stuff. And I, I've been as vocal an opponent of the targeting rule as currently applied and administered as anyone. I think it's uh, horribly misapplied in many cases because of the way it's written. I think the ejection, the automatic ejection uh, is, is one of those things that should be changed. It needs to be the, a tier or red car type system or um, yeah. somehow differentiate from some of the incidental contact type targetings. Um, you know, so there are things about it. I definitely want to change. Don't love the targeting rule. I love the intention of the targeting rule to keep guys from breaking the damn full necks and, and doing a better job of tackling with good form and so on. And I think from what I saw after the game uh, and, and on Twitter, Skalski, you know, maybe gets that. And he said, I need to get better. You know, you've been thrown out of multiple games for doing the yeah, same well thing. That, yeah, you need right. to get better. You need <laughs> That's to get how better. I feel about it though. Because as, as much as I don't think he was like in trying to be intentionally dirty or something like that, he was also being really stupid. Very stupid. And at a certain point, you know, you're the leader of that defense. You're supposed to be the guy setting that example. You can't be that dumb in that kind of a situation. And he was, he was extremely stupid. I don't feel bad that he was tossed at all because He's got to know better than that. He, he, he's been tossed for that exact same thing before. Um, so I, I was not sad about it at all. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I just want Justin Fields to be happy and healthy. I'm glad Scalsey didn't like break his neck by being an idiot. Um, but, you know, the game really, and that's the other thing about this. They, that was, Scalsey type, you know, tackles him neatly. The high state has to go for a field goal there. Mm -hmm. And, Instead, they've got what first and goal, and end up scoring a touchdown. You, you can't be that dumb. You really. And, and can't in a be pleasant turn of events, Ohio State did not 
shoot itself in the foot a bunch of times. No, you know, which you go back a year. That was a big problem for the Buckeyes, right? So right. not converting in the red zone and, and shooting yourself in the foot were two reasons. We're not talking about teams who are back-to-back CFP finalists. Uh, you, you know, that that's that's a real thing. So kudos to the Buckeyes for playing a really clean game relatively yeah. speaking that was that was big and yeah clemson's mistakes came in some pretty inopportune moments like like that one that gave ohio state the opportunity to and kind of spark things and you know of course chuckling back to the sign stealing apparatus i saw somebody making the comment that you know he's uh he's the guy who was uh most intimately involved with uh the sign stealing as far as players on the field I'm like well of course yeah he's the captain of the defense of course he's yeah. been the guy getting the getting <laughs> right. place but 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 that didn't help any right having your your number no. one guy there out uh th- that that just injected more of that kind of confusion and lack of cohesion for a defense that was already outmatched yeah and and so yeah clemson just got it handed to him and good they and they good. deserve yes. it yes good good I, it was, I have it said was cathartic. all along i want uh nothing good and only bad things for Dabo right. swinney and uh, we got that and so good yes happy day yeah it's good and uh it was cathartic it was fun to watch once you realize that ohio state was you know gonna just boat race this team and not look back it was it was just fun as hell and look so I want to talk about Alabama a little bit, but I, you know, this is, like I said, cathartic is really a good way to put it. This is the kind of game that you needed to have as an Ohio state fan. I, Ohio state has won some really big games in the college football playoff. They've lost a lot of really big games in the college football playoff, particularly to Clemson. You had to win this game. I, I, and, and again, I'm not saying Ohio state was going to, you know, tumble down their relevance or something like that if they hadn't beaten Clemson, but this is a statement game about the Ohio state Buckeyes football team and football program, which is we're not a second tier to Clemson and Alabama. We're right up there with them. We can compete with, any program in the country if they get you know if they get blown up by alabama fine this was the statement they had to make which is getting over the hump against clemson and humiliating them (laughs) is the cherry on top but uh they they had to win this game i think in terms of national perception and that's going to do wonders for them i mean this you know ryan day versus Dabo may not be the conversation if it's ryan day versus saban that's that puts you in another tier i think that that puts you on the level of okay this is now you know, the team in college football. So I, I like that you're not worried about, you know, can we compete with the Clemsons of the world and more, you know, can the Alabamas of the world and Ohio States compete with each other? Well, so. it's been interesting speaking. So when you talk about it and kind of being in that, that tier and level, one of the things I find really interesting is that this has kind of been a discussion of, oh, it's three teams and then everybody else, or, you know, maybe there's a, there's a clear that you hear that a lot from the different pundits when they were talking about yeah. who should number 40, but it was Notre Dame, was it A&M, of course, should it be Cincinnati, LOL? No, nobody really ever asked that question. Uh, but the, the, the thing that I think becomes pretty clear after seeing this game is, is really it's two teams. It's, you know, Alabama and Ohio state were, were clearly on a different plane than Clemson this season. I'm not saying that Clemson suddenly, uh, an also ran type programming, but I go back to that. What I, I referenced that blue chip ratio thing uh, er, earlier in the, in the program, you know, when you had over the past four years, Alabama and Ohio state are one of, are, are two of the three teams that are plus 80%. And then there's a big gap, you know, and then, then there's a bunch of teams in the mid to high fifties and upper sixties. And I say a bunch, meaning like 10, but they're all bunched together in sort of that 55 to 63% range. But so you're dealing with, you know, a couple of really elite teams. And then when you combine that with, I I love SP plus, as you know, so I'm taking, looking at the advanced analytics to see, all right, what does, what does Bill Connolly have to say? And what do the metrics say? And again, there's, there's a bit of a gap between uh, Ohio state and Alabama and then, and then Clemson. Uh, So when you look at SP plus right now, Alabama, this is after the bowl games, Alabama has about a four point advantage. So mm-hmm. the line's a little fatter than that. I think what it opened at seven, seven and a half point favorites, something like that in Vegas. Uh, SP plus gives Alabama about a four, four and a half point advantage. It, it gave, um, by the way, Clemson had, I think a 1.8 point advantage uh, yeah. going into the game, according to SP plus. Now that's, now that's flipped quite a bit. So now, you know, Ohio state's about three and a half points ahead of Clemson in the rankings. But what I find really interesting is when you break it down to the offense and defense. So SP plus has, Alabama's offense 
number one in the country, Ohio State, number two in the country. Oh, that's a pretty even match. Mm-hmm. Defense, Alabama, number five in the country, Ohio State, number seven in the country. Huh, that's a pretty even match too. And then, you know, you look at Clemson was like fifth offense and ninth off uh, ninth defense, which I think maybe the the metrics there seem to overrate Clemson's defense a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I need to revert that back to level of competition they've faced. What, so, so all this to say, I'm really curious to see how much of a factor special teams uh, and things like penalties and stupid mistakes come into this game, because I, I'm looking at the data and thinking Ohio State's offense and defense are pretty well matched with Alabama. Alabama has the edge in both categories, but it's pretty narrow as you're talking about one and two or five and seven, but there's a huge gap in their special teams rankings. Alabama's like 20th in the country and Ohio state's like 85th. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, wow, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big golf. Now don't fret about that too much. I guess Clemson was like number 11 in the country by that metric. So maybe, maybe, Maybe yeah, it's hard. I think special teams, it's hard it's to really hard get to a, rate. a beat really on hard that sometimes. And especially when you've got teams, small sample size, maybe teams don't, you know, they don't punt a lot. They don't kick field goals a lot. That that can, I think, skew it a little bit as well. I, what I will say, though, about Alabama, I mean, you're, they're talking about possibly getting Waddle back, which is, that would you know, be big. less than ideal for Ohio State's defense. You're already dealing with, you know, you're already dealing with, the unquestioned best wide receiver in the country, um, you know, and, and, and old Smitty over there, uh, Devontae Smith, um, that's going to be rough. And if you get Waddle back and he's, you know, somewhere approaching healthy, that's, I mean, you could make an argument. He is like 1A or 1B uh, when it comes to that. So I, you know, the Alabama matchup is less favorable for a number of reasons. And I think, the biggest one is that their offensive and defensive lines are significantly better than Clemson's are. And Clemson has not had, did not have a great offensive line. And I think we knew that going into the game, we just figured that Trevor Lawrence would kind of overcome that and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Alabama has a legit offensive line. They're good. They're very good. So that's going to be much more of a, um, you know, a, a problem for Ohio State's defensive line. And and so is the fact that Najee Harris is, is a much better running back, I think, than Travis Etienne is. Much so, better. yeah, so you're, you're dealing offensively with a lot of issues. And then, um, you know, defensively, like, you know, on their defense, you, you've got a lot more competence, I think, in general. Whereas if you, you know, watch a lot of these recaps and, and people making, uh, you know, kind of analysis of what happened in the Sugar Bowl, I, Clemson was confused a lot of the time. Venables gets those play calls in late and other teams can take advantage of that. Alabama's defense is going to be strong enough where they don't really care all the time about, you know, making sure they have the exact right personnel and the exact right play call. They know that they can make plays. They know their assignments. They're very sound and that will be less of a factor, I think. Mm -hmm. So I, I think Ohio state can beat Alabama. I think that's absolutely something that can happen. Um, I don't really know how much better they can play than they played in the sugar bowl. But I, I think if they replicate that performance, they can still come out with the win. They just have to make sure that they cut down on some of the dumb plays in the secondary, because that will absolutely eat them alive. Um, they, they can't make those types of mistakes that they made, um, you know, occasionally against the tigers. So I, you know, I'm not, <laughs> not super optimistic, but I'm still excited. The, the fact that this you're, you're not Ohio super State, optimistic because you're hedging, you're hedging uh, against life there. My yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing, That's man, like Ohio state is playing for a national championship that in of itself is a remarkable, insane thing to say at this point, because six months ago, I'd be like, they're not going to play any games. What the hell yeah, are you talking right. about? We've gone from no football yeah. to playing for all. The so I'm, to me, man, this is gravy. Ohio State pulls this off. That's going to be amazing and, and awesome. And, you know, God knows the Buckeyes love, and me, love being an underdog. But, um, yeah, I'm just – I'm excited. I'm excited they get to play in this game. I'm happy at this point no matter what happens because Clemson went down and Dabo lost, and that's hilarious. So There is no it. shame in losing to a Nick Saban-coached Alabama team. But I, I'm definitely in the camp that gives Ohio State – more than a puncher's chance here. I, I think it'll be a dog fight. The Ohio State secondary can, you know, concerns me as as you rightly noted, uh, because of of how incredibly good 
uh, Smitty and the other wide receivers. That it's a much better. A, by the way, great nickname. I freaking love that world, Smitty's world nickname. nickname. Yeah, excellent. So you're looking at a much different core of wide receivers than what Clemson trotted out there. Now, now what I did see somebody say today is, you know, Alabama's team is young, relatively speaking. You know, there sure. there is some inexperience there. Um, maybe that will come into play. I don't know. You definitely, I'm, I'm really interested to see how Ohio State's rush defense. Uh, you mentioned Harris there, but but you're looking at a much better offensive line. This is the best offensive line the Buckeyes will have faced all yep. season without question. And so, you know, there's, uh, again, I guess I'll go back to what we said before. There's four possible outcomes, right? Uh, Bama in a romp, Bama in a close one, Buckeyes in a close one, Buckeyes in, in a route. Buckeyes in a route's probably the one I don't see happening. <laughs> But I was wrong about that once before, and I'll gladly be wrong about it again. I, yeah, but, I, but I definitely give them better than a puncher's chance. I, I think this will be, I think this will be one of the all-time great games. I, I really do. Yeah, this it, it should be a lot of fun. You've got some really talented wide receivers for Ohio State too. I mean, don't please do not forget that Chris Olave and you know Kerry Wilson and all these guys play for Ohio State as well, and they are excellent. And I mean, you even saw, I you mean, know. that's one of the things that's kind of crazy to me now that you mentioned that is like how little we've talked about how good, and I don't just mean we meaning you and me, but, but sure. th- there's, it's been lost a bit. It feels like just how really incredibly good Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Julian Flint. I mean, J- Jackson Smith, Nygma, I mean, they've just been in Jigba. They've been top to bottom. Like this is as complete a wide receiving core as I think Ohio state has had in my lifetime. I mean, they're, they're really, really good. And well, it just feels like they're a little, they're a little undersung right now. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I think that once you get beyond Chris Olave and you know Garrett Wilson, it's these guys like Jameson Williams, for example, is going to be extremely good, right? He's going to be a player who has a huge impact on the game. I, he reminds me honestly, a lot of Chris Olave, but Jackson, you know, Smith and Jigba, these are really good guys. They're not prime time guys yet, though. They're not number ones uh, in terms of who's going to be your your primary dude. That's that's Chris Olave and that's um, Garrett Wilson. But they all complement each other really, really well, and they can do a lot of things on the field. They're not just all guys who okay, I'm going to go for the long bomb or something like that. They have a lot of different skills and can do some interesting things. And and once you get the tight ends involved, obviously that's a whole other thing to contend with. Yeah, hilarious. Jeez, I just so, know a bunch of wide receivers and didn't mention at all the tight ends who caught yeah, the fact that the I touchdowns say, like, in this football game. Yeah, they actually remembered that a position group exists, so that's kind of fun. Um, so you know, that's what I'm saying, man. This is it's a it's a fun team, and and that's why I don't understand about Ohio State haters. Like I get that you know you hate a successful team. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's you know, a tradition in sports is to, to not like the team that's good. But people talk about like, oh, stupid old high state. This is a fun ass team to watch. This is a really fun team to watch. And Ryan Day has these guys fully weaponized. And it's just, I don't know, man, whatever happens against Alabama, I think it's, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a super entertaining game, no matter what. And that's honestly, I'm cool with that. After all, all that's happened, what they've been able to, you know, accomplish and, and, the teams they've been able to beat, if they have fun and it's a fun game, that's I'm happy with that. I'll, I'll walk away with a smile on my face. Yeah. So should be good. Oh, and by the way, something that might also put a smile on your face, we've got some new products in the dry goods store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com. <laughs> uh, something, let's call him Mr. Clown. Mr. Clown's on there. And uh, if, you know, you, you see that guy and he, he makes you think of football and coaching and things like that, and you want to you emphasize how much this person is a clown, then uh, you might want to pick up that shirt. I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty legit. It makes me laugh and I enjoy it. So check that out. And we've also got another one there also to kind of commemorate um, what's been happening in Ohio State sports. So check that out as well. Um, Shirts, hat, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Uh, Drygoods.11warriors.com. Let's do some Ask Us Anything. We got some A++++ questions on ask us anything this week which you can do by sending us a an email to dubcast at 11 warriors.com i'm going to condense this a little bit this is from ben and ben says uh this is mostly for me but andy this is uh you know for you as well get some input uh, he says my name's ben and like johnny i'm a fellow middletown midi class of 01 i actually did not go to middletown high school i went to Fenwick high school because i got into too many fights in middle school so just 
<laughs> just make sure you understand that. so my sister did however go to middletown uh ben says that his wife knew me in high school maybe i don't know um <laughs> middletown's not that big uh we live out in kansas city now and since i got out of the navy three years ago thank you for your service that's excellent uh so the question is about donuts uh, specifically donut shops so as i'm sure johnny can attest there are two excellent shops in middletown there's milton's and what he says are the vastly superior central pastry uh, i found just about all my friends family and neighbors from middletown are extremely loyal one way to the other one way or the other when it comes to the shop that they frequent and which one they think is the best i'm firmly in the central pastry camp my wife is a milton's girl we are a house divided <laughs> so i need to put together this this feud <laughs> and uh, hopefully bring um uh harmony in ben's household here's what i'll say man i so central pastry if you've ever been through middletown and you've had the opportunity to peruse the wares of central pastry and milton's i think they're both very good um confectionery shops i guess you would say milton's is basically just donuts they do a really great donut they're just basic glazed donut is freaking fantastic it's awesome uh, another big time advantage of Milton's is that um, pretty cheap. Honestly, you can get a lot of donuts for very little money and it's, it's pretty legit. Central pastry is downtown. It's near where I used to go to middle school. Cause I, you know, the aforementioned middle school where I was getting a lot of fights, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. They actually tore it down, but Vail middle school. Oh. Um, and I also went to central uh, Academy, which is downtown as well. And so what I would do sometimes after school you know, kicking rocks, being mad at the world. I'm going to go to Central Pastry and get myself a donut and get myself a, a cookie, you know. Um, both are great options. I really like Central Pastry actually more for cookies and cakes. Whenever my family or extended family had a wedding or some kind of event, Central Pastry was the move for cakes. They have excellent cakes. Uh, cookies are, like I said, really good. Um, but whenever we were getting up early on like a Sunday morning, going to church or something like that, Milton's was always the place to go for donuts. So I'm going to tell you something, man, I'm not trying to hate on central pastry. Excellent place. Love it. I really, you really cannot beat the taste and the price of Milton's. I am a Milton's ride or die guy in terms of donuts. It's awesome. Uh, if you're ever in Middletown, they're open a lot. There might be a bit of a line because people really love their Milton's donuts. Uh, but I would check it out. It's it's legit. And Central Pastry too. Central Pastry is great. But I'm a Milton's dude, man. I'm sorry. I hate to I hate to you know ran on your parade, but that's that's where my allegiance lies. Andy, where would you say what's what's your favorite as as Ben puts it, a fried dough fix? Yeah. What's so I I bring? have not uh, had the pleasure of partaking in either of the uh, places that you mentioned. I clearly do not know the mean streets of Middletown as, <laughs> as well yeah. as you you locals. Um, I am a lover of donuts in general. So when I lived in Reynoldsburg, there was a, uh, a Krispy Kreme not a half mile from my house. And so I had installed at one point the, uh, I don't know if they still do this or not, but Krispy Kreme had an app at that point where you know how they have the red light on at Krispy Kreme to let you know that the oh, donuts yeah, yeah. are coming off the line fresh right then. It was called the red light app. And the app was just the little neon Krispy Kreme light. And when it was on, you knew the donuts at your place were coming off the line fresh that day. And it was so cool when they opened the store, you could walk in anytime day or night. And if they were rolling fresh donuts off the line, they would hand you a free fresh glazed donut. And I'm awesome. here to tell you, those warm Krispy Kreme glazed donuts fresh off the line. That's, that's, that's heaven right there. Now that, that also said, uh, I, I'm a big fan of several, uh, other, other donut chains as well. And what I have found is I like different donuts from different donut places. So my favorite donut of all time is a chocolate covered custard. And there are two mm. or three different places around Columbus that, that I like really well. And then there are others where I'm like, eh, it's okay. You know, maybe it's the pastry isn't as good, or maybe I don't like their particular chocolate frosting or, you know, the custard has got to be on point and, and so on. So kind of depends on where we're going, what donut I get there. So I've kind of got a little mental Rolodex of, Ooh, I don't like that one as well. Or, Oh, I like, you know, and some of the chains. So Tim Hortons, you know, there's some things that Tim Hortons I like and some things I'm like, and eh, no, I don't need that. And the one that always gets me though, this is my donut complaint is mm -hmm. there's a, there's a place in Reynoldsburg, Reynoldsburg. And I think this is a chain, but I'm not sure called the Jolly Pirate Donuts. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. So my complaint is that um, the workers there neither jolly nor pirates. And that really bothers <laughs> me because you gotta be one or the, you gotta be at least one or the other, right? I, like, I, yeah. 
yeah, I remember the first time I went in there and, and the lady is working the donut counter, you know, it's kind of reminds you of the lunch lady from the Simpsons, you know, or, 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 <laughs> you know, like you're picturing like a truck stop diner where the lady's been waiting yeah. there, waiting tables there since Christ was a corporal and she's like, what do you have, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and so I wanted to like, this lady is neither jolly nor a pirate. And I'm, I'm very disappointed by this whole experience. I, I will say the voice that you gave her is pirate-esque. I can kind of <laughs> get that. <laughs> um yeah yeah man you you know you got to take this stuff seriously i I appreciate this question because it is not it's not a simple thing that we could just write off it's it's important so i appreciate priorities in life my man yeah um so thank you for sending that in that was excellent i really appreciate that i literally i'm (laughs) i'm looking at central pastry and uh milton's like websites right now i'm like i can get some of these damn donuts anyway um this next one here is from our good friend alvin uh he says does this one beat down make up for the past two losses against Dabo?" that's a good question what do you think what do you think about that uh it certainly goes a long way i mean i think it helps it helps i i, I think the bigger thing to me isn't necessarily the last two so much as it is just the fact that we were going we were looking at oh and five as the alternative <laughs> you know yeah so one and four ain't great but it's a lot better than zero and five. I, at th- thirty-one to zero, still bugs me, like mm-hmm. that. That that just bugs me a lot. The last year game, the problem I have with that is because that's one that Ohio State won. Yeah, and and depending on how you want to look at it, you can either say they had it stolen from them, or or you can say they pissed it away with some of the stupid things they did. Uh, you know, Ohio State, you you should never put the game in the hands of the refs. You know, that's right. that's the thing. So I can I can definitely empathize with the feeling that. It was it was stolen uh, from them because of the the more than one questionable, <laughs> objectionable, infuriating calls in that game. But but I can also say you know Ohio State uh, did a few dumb things that that cost at that game. So that one you know that that one stuck with me because it was a game they should have won. The thirty one to zero stuck in my crawl because it was so bloody embarrassing. You know mm-hmm. like that just that anytime you get a, a, a butt whipping like that it. Well, on the other hand, you know, on the other hand, Woody Hayes said, uh, nothing cleanses your soul <laughs> like having the hell kicked out of you. Right. So, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, you don't, you don't feel as great about this game if you don't, you know, get whooped so hard in the other games. But I will say I, to me, it's about like opportunity costs. You know, what did Ohio state have the chance to do it, had they not lost those games? And, uh, I don't know, you know, if they had gone on and, and won a uh, won a national championship after being Clemson. One of that, I'd be like, ah, no, I, I think I'll take the Natty rather than kicking the crap out of them this time. But it's close. It's really close. Um, this next one's from St. Louis Wookie. Uh, do you think Oklahoma fans watch Trey Sermon the way that we follow Joe Burrow? I would say no. Yeah, I don't think so. Don't, yeah, I didn't get that sense at all. Maybe it's yeah, just I that mean, I'm not. I, I follow a few. I've got a few through through um, the people who follow wrestling uh so you know there's quite a there's quite a f- couple of uh good wrestlers in right. oklahoma and so i do not at all in any ways have that sense <laughs> yeah i mean trey sermons from georgia you know joe burrow native son right you know what i mean and and even if he hadn't been at ohio state i think there still would have been some interest in what he was doing just because he was you know mr football in ohio and athens and all that stuff so I, there, I think that plays into it a lot. I think that's a big part of it. Um, I mean, they might be pissed because of the whole situation, but why he left, you know, the coach, the way the story goes is that the coach, the running backs coach was just nobody liked the dude and kind of ran Trey Sermon out. And uh, now he's kind of getting his revenge. So that's, that's Baker Mayfield actually alluded to that in a tweet, I believe, <laughs> um, after the game where he's like, okay, Trey, I see you. That's, that's pretty good. Um but yeah, I don't. I don't think Oklahoma fans are really following in the same, uh, in the same kind of way here. And, so and, this is- and not for nothing. I mean, Ohio State has had players transfer away before, and you know, I don't know how many yeah. people follow. Uh, you know, Brendan White at was he at Maryland or Rutgers? Um, is it Rutgers? Right? He followed Chiano to Rutgers, but wherever they went, you know, people don't. I, I can't tell you how many of those transfers people ever really talk about. Joe Burrow, I think, was sure. a really special specific case and oh by the way we talked about him more as his legend grew you know if he'd gone to lsu and just been a serviceable quarterback yeah nobody would have been as hyped and (laughs) but but, but when he starts going super scion and he's like oh my god it's the second coming of peyton manning here or something yeah then oh okay well 
because we had we had Joe Burrow on the Dubcast. We interviewed him. <laughs> I, when I, he was I, a I was surprised you hadn't brought that up yet. But that's what I'm saying, though. Nobody was like, like, oh my God, Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Just a guy. Like, nobody. Yeah, we didn't get twenty thousand, you know, listens that week or anything like that. Yeah. People were like, oh, okay, that's cool. It's another recruit. So yeah, I, I think a lot of it had to do with what he was doing at LSU and you know how people kind of reacted to that. So mm-hmm. uh, next one here, this from Jackson. So Jackson says, before the Sugar Bowl, I spoke aloud to whichever deity was listening that I would be fine losing the natty if we embarrass Clemson in the process. Damn you, Jackson. Uh, Now that the reward end of my deal with the devil has come to pass, should I double down and beg for some terrible fortune to befall next year's team? Or should I just accept that I curse the natty in exchange for burying Dabo in a cheap pine box on the banks of the Mississippi? Any insights and or gold fiddles for bargaining appreciated? Hey, the, the, the misfortune that is going to befall you know, someone is going to go on you, buddy. Like it's not going to go on Ohio state. That's not how this bargain works. I'm so, I understand that you're saying, okay, we'll lose to like, you know, national championship. You still have to hold up your, you know, Faustian bargain here. You, it is going to happen to you. So you made that decision. And I, this is not Dr. Pepper fansville crap. This is real <laughs> life where you have to understand that there are consequences to your actions and that is not acceptable. Um, you could have just said win. Why didn't you say win? You, you had to embarrass Clemson. I, I would have been fine with a one-point victory over Clemson and then a one-point victory over Alabama. And and clearly your one <laughs> small utterance of desire against of revenge against Clemson has, has doomed us all. I, I'm fine with that. I don't believe in karma. I think it's fine. I think you'll be okay. Just, you know, watch your back. That's all. I, <laughs> I, had, I had to get a kick and he referenced the, gold, the golden fiddle. Uh, I love the devil went down to Georgia is one of Charlie oh, yeah, Daniels man. finest works. And, uh, I saw a tweet just today, as a matter of fact, it kind of cracked me up. You know how people love to take and, and kind of make a meme out of everything. Uh, sure. they do the, do this Twitter format where you have, you know, two characters in dialogue with one another and it's the devil and some other demon and the devil's telling the story how he lost the golden fiddle and the demons like, Oh yeah. And the demons like, uh, who judged the contest again? And that was like, well, I did. And the demons like, uh, you, you. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> yeah whoops <laughs> oh, i'm nothing if not honest that's nothing savvy. yeah yeah you know you gotta, gotta respect an honest devil you know that's, that's right. right uh okay the last one here is from jacob jacob wants to know this is a good question i really like this jonathan cooper and justin hilliard both look like they're playing the best football of their long 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 i'm adding the extra longs long 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 careers uh who are you happier for that's a great question. That's, that's a good question. Because I love, I mean, I, I will say in terms of like a full game impact, I think Cooper is doing things on just a snap to snap basis that are just, uh, he is, he has elevated his, his play in a way that I did not expect. Hilliard on the other hand is coming off with some crazy, like he will just come flying off the edge sometime. You're like, where the hell did this guy come from? Um, it's fun watching both of them. And of course their stories, you know, you talk about like, injuries and setbacks and all these other things it's that's hard to decide that's hard for me man cooper's another one of those guys i feel like is super underrated you know that that doesn't get the attention you know that i think he's he's meriting he's just doing right. really incredible things uh hilliard's a lot of fun because you in the thing you know like i think i really enjoy about it is because it feels like one of those things like it's about time, but I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, because what the guy's been through, right. It's nice to see him be able to demonstrate that. Yeah, this is, this is what, this is what I've been capable of all along. Uh, and man, yeah, he's, he's been playing lights out, which is, yeah. Like you, but you said it earlier, this is a super fun team to watch. And it's right. because you've got a lot of guys like that, but we go back to, you know, 80% of this team's four and five star recruits. And he's one of those guys. Mm-hmm. We just haven't been able to see it consistently because of all of the, the hell he's gone through staying healthy. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know. I, it's, it's so hard to decide between these guys. I'm going to say Cooper just because I love that they gave him the, you know, the block. O right. Yeah, the right. zero. I think that's cool as hell. And obviously, I mean, you can tell how much that means to that dude. So that's, that's a really great thing, but man, you know, the fact that Hilliard's being able to make an impact and they're both playing so well, is just it's really great to see and that's the other thing you know you get to extend the season you get to talk about these stories you get to enjoy you know <laughs> you get to enjoy justin field soaring to chris Olave. you're, you're not going to see that again after the next game that's not going to happen right. so that's the other great thing about being in the national championship you can really appreciate some of these things and you can appreciate this team that you didn't get to see enough of and that's it's you know however it turns out i think it's it's going to be a validation of this season the fact that they had it 
that they were able to get it accomplished and actually go through with it. Um, that Ohio State was put in the playoff, that they put in a ton of work to accomplish a goal, which they have in part accomplished and, and you know, pulled off. So I don't know, man. It, this has been a successful season. It's been a lot of fun to watch in the past couple of weeks, especially. And uh, I'm, you know, who knows what's going to happen against Alabama. I, <laughs> Ohio State against Alabama, any kind of weird thing could happen. So I don't know that I, I'm going to make your prediction either way on this. Let's, you said I, it I'm earlier. I'm excited to, like watch it go down you're playing on house money at this point so enjoy yeah. it i i think you know th this is going to be one of those that is not i don't think it's going to be a blowout i think it's going to be a, a one score game either way i like the buckeyes i think momentum is clearly in their favor which is a good thing how healthy they are between now and and yeah, monday that's night be, that's gonna, gonna be, be you really know big. you know not not just the things like how is qb number one's uh you know rib cage holding together right. um you know can we duct tape him together for one more stand that's that's one thing but you know that we still have the specter of uh our friend the rona hanging over us you know do mm -hmm. either does either team have a, a flare-up or an outbreak those are all things that you just can't predict even though we're only six days away, seven days away from this magic, who knows what might happen. Um, but, but I think assuming that both teams get on the field more or less intact, I think it's going to be a hard fought battle. Whoever wins can hang their head high and know they were clearly the best team in the land. And uh, let's just enjoy it. It's going to be a great ball. Last football game of the year. Oh, it, it, it pains me to say, but you know, time marches on. Yeah. So it, it'll be fun. It'll be exciting. We'll be back next time to, you know, break it all down i guess we're gonna you're getting into it it's gonna be big time stuff so until then i'm johnny i'm andy and we'll see you next time